This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're going to be talking about how the proposed Biden tax legislation actually may impact you. So, this is not intended to be any kind of political commentary. This is just talking about the actual, real, possible effects of the legislation that has been put out there in the campaign and has been talked about with the current Biden administration. So, what you need to know about this is that your wealth and your income may have some very significant changes in terms of how things are taxed. What we want to do is make sure that you keep as much as you possibly can of the money that you have worked a lifetime to accumulate and the money that you're earning on an ongoing basis. So when we talk about these proposed tax changes, the three main things we're going to cover today are this. How is your income potentially going to be taxed? How are your assets or the wealth you've developed potentially going to be taxed? And what you can actually do about this. All right, so this is coming about because there has now been a shift in control of the three seats of government. So we have the House of Representatives, we have the Senate, and then we have the presidential administration all in the Democratic Party at this point in time. So when one party has control of all three of those things, what can frequently happen is that change can happen at a greater pace because there's less bickering about what should be done and more alignment about getting it done. So when we're talking about proposed tax changes, normally I don't spend a lot of time until they're actually real talking about them. But the reason I want to talk about proposed tax changes is because since we have all three of these government bodies aligned in the power and control of them within the Democratic Party right now, we want to at least understand what's out there that could happen. And so you can think about what might need to be done as you start to hear what comes about from these things. So the two main things that are likely to be impacted first when it comes to tax issues, they're probably going to touch on the Affordable Care Act quite a bit and, and potentially strengthen that. Now, that impacts your health care, that can impact your pocketbook, that can impa impact taxes for a lot of people too. But there's a little bit less on that about what they're proposing to do. The main thing I want to talk about in terms of changes are a little bit more connected to the Tax Cuts and Job Acts that happened in 2017 and the potential rollback of some of those provisions that are in place today, as well as some new things that are actually on the table. So the Tax Cuts and Job Act that was passed in 2017, it lowered income tax brackets for most people. And when I say it lowered the brackets, a lot of the brackets actually had a lower tax number, and then you actually could make more money before you got into that next tax bracket. Now, it's different whether you're single, married, things like that, but in general, taxes went down. That's, a, that's kind of a broad sweeping statement, but in general, that was part of the tax cuts, hence the word cuts, and the Jobs Act. So it cut income taxes, it cut estate taxes, it cut corporate taxes, 
And it also had some state and local tax changes that happened as a result of it and kind of expanded certain interesting tax credits that people could get. What we know in terms of the campaign proposal and the legislation that is likely to be proposed at some point during the Biden administration is a handful of different things that may or may not affect you, but my guess is that something is going to affect most people listening. The first thing I'm gonna talk about that I think is going to have the widest sweeping impact without most people even understanding they're impacted is that they propose something called the elimination of the step up in basis, okay? So what the heck does that mean? Elimination of the step up in basis. Well, here's the thing. Your basis has to do with your taxes, your tax basis. Tax basis means how much money you have into something and then gain sits on top of that, okay? So if you put $100,000 into an investment from cash you had in your bank, your tax basis is $100,000. If it grows to be worth $200,000, you have still got $100,000 of tax basis, what you put in, and that you don't owe taxes on that 100,000 when you take it out. But the growth up to the 200, that $100,000 of growth, that's gain and is taxable, okay? Now, when you have an asset that has a step up in basis at death, what that means is your beneficiaries inherit assets at the value they are when you die, and they don't have to pay income tax on the growth from when you bought it, okay? So in the example I just used, if you bought an asset for $100,000 and it grew to be worth $200,000 and then you die, under current law, your beneficiaries would inherit that asset at $200,000 of value, and if they sell it, they don't pay taxes on that growth. They inherited the step up in basis at death. It means the basis that you had of 100 steps up to the value it was at death of 200, and now that's your beneficiary's tax basis. Now, let me be really clear here. Not all assets have a step up in basis. There are only certain ones that do. But here are three that are pretty big deals for people. Mutual funds have a step up in basis. Stocks have a step up in basis. And farm ground has a step up in basis. Now, our office is centered in the Midwest, but people own farm ground and land all over the place in this country. So no matter where you're listening, this step up in basis on the land issue certainly could be massively impactful, as well as whatever you have in a portfolio that are mutual funds and stocks that are what are called non-qualified. Non-qualified means not in an IRA. Point of clarification again, IRAs, Roth IRAs, they don't have a step up in basis. That has nothing to do with this. This is non-qualified money that I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you a couple of examples of why this might be so impactful for you. If you have invested money from a very young age into non-qualified accounts, again, non-IRA accounts, and they have grown over time significantly, maybe they've doubled and doubled again and doubled again, especially think about stock holdings that may have had significant trajectories of growth over time, you may have a basis that is very low compared to the value of that. That's called highly appreciated assets. 
your family under current law gets to inherit those highly appreciated assets that are non-qualified and gets a new tax basis from the get-go. And if they sell them, they don't have to realize income tax. But let me tell you, if this new step up in basis gets eliminated, if this provision gets eliminated, then everybody who has non-qualified accounts will be affected and anybody who has land will be affected. Now let's think about that on the land perspective for a second. If your parents bought a farm, let's say they bought it 40 years ago, maybe they paid $100 an acre for it. They probably had some improvements over time may not have kept really good records of what those improvements are, so that could be messy. But if you sold that land now and get $10,000 an acre, that's a pretty significant gain. And for a lot of you who are dealing with farmland in your family, you have probably always heard, mom and dad want to die owning the land. Why? Because if they don't, if they sell it while they're alive, they're gonna pay tax on the gain from what they bought it to and improved it upon up until what they sell it for. But if they die with the land and the kids inherit it, the kids get the step up in basis, they get to sell the land at the value that it is today and not pay any income tax on that gain. So this is a big deal, big, big deal when we think about how farm value has appreciated over time. So that's a major provision of this potential proposed legislation is the elimination of the step up in basis. And I spent quite a bit of time on that because the reality is that's a huge issue. That is a really big issue. All right, the next thing is um, payroll tax. So the current payroll tax is 6.2% from an employer and the employee pays 6.2%. So there's a total payroll tax of 12.4%. It's only applicable to the first $142,800 worth of earnings. And for Medicare, Medicare tax on an additional 1.45% for the employer and 1.45% for the employee. So Medicare is a total of 2.9%. And it's not capped. That, per, that part goes on forever. Well, the proposed payroll tax changes that were in Biden's campaign was that um, payroll tax would significantly go up as well. And that is because they're talking about instituting a payroll tax on income that is going to be above a certain amount. So what it's saying is that if you have more than $400,000 of income, now all of a sudden your payroll tax that you're responsible for goes up too. Now, that impacts a much smaller segment of people than the step up in basis does, but for people who are high earners or for people who are self-employed and have high levels of income coming out that's taxable, that is going to potentially be a massive change for that too. Another thing that's going to potentially impact the high earners is the decision or the, or the discussion surrounding a cap on the amount of deductions that they can itemize. So they're discussing capping it at 28% of what your income is. So right now, if I have a, if I'm self-employed and I have a business, um, I can deduct a lot of things. If I'm not self-employed, I can still deduct other things, 
by itemizing them. I might be able to deduct mortgage interest. I might be able to deduct some charitable contributions. I might have a whole host of different things, medical expenses and things like that that I can deduct. And it could certainly be more than 28% of what my total income is. So if that's the case and you have significant itemized deductions on your return, you might be adversely impacted by this as well. So that's something to pay attention to as well. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for Best in State Wealth Advisors and Top Women Wealth Advisors. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about how the proposed tax changes that are part of the Biden administration campaign could potentially affect you. Now, of course, nothing's actually gone into law yet, so this is all potential, but it's important to know what's out there and how it could possibly impact you. So we spent a little bit of time talking about the step up in basis, a little bit on the payroll tax, and a little bit on um, how these things really impact people. Now I wanna talk about the estate tax law. So right now, from an estate tax perspective, if you have $11.7 million worth of an estate value or under, you are not going to have to pay federal estate taxes, okay? Now, state estate taxes are different and they vary by state and they vary by amount. So I'm not talking about those, I'm talking about federal estate taxes right now. And anything above, 11.7 million is taxed at 40%. So you really have to have a pretty significant estate, whether it's land, whether it's investment portfolios, business ownership, whatever it is, you have to have a significant estate to really start getting into the federal estate tax regime. The proposed estate exemption that is in the campaign information is a three and a half person or three point five million, so three and a half million dollar estate exemption, or a total of seven million dollars if you're married, and anything above that would be taxed at forty two forty five percent. So not only is it a lower amount, but it's also a potentially higher amount of tax on that. So I want to put that into perspective for just a minute. Going back to talking about the land. You know, there's a lot of people who, if you own land and it's valued at $10,000 an acre, it doesn't take that many acres of land to all of a sudden start looking at estates that are above this cap. You know, for people who have accumulated wealth, which we work with a lot of people who have estates well above $3.5 million, if you have accumulated wealth and you have been planning for an $11 million cap and all of a sudden it's $3.5 million cap, let me tell you, that's a major swing in how you have to do your estate tax planning. So that is something that is probably going to be a major planning change if that goes into effect. You know, another thing that's part of the legislation is that long-term capital gains are likely to move to ordinary income tax rates instead of a more favorable 
long-term capital gain rate, but in the campaign information, that was really only for people who are earning over a million dollars. So that doesn't affect as many people as the other ones do that I've been talking about. Okay, here's what we don't know. What we don't know is when all of this might happen. What we don't know is if all of this is going to happen. I mean, there's a lot of, of uncertainty out there. And so the things for you to be paying attention to, the things for you to be thinking about are what can you do? What might you wanna start thinking about pre-planning for whenever changes do occur? So if you have income over $400,000 a year, you may want to think about looking at having your tax advantaged assets are all of a sudden gonna become more valuable than non-tax advantaged assets. Something to be thinking about. If you have income over $400,000, your charitable giving, which maybe has a multi-year strategy. So if you've been giving huge charity amounts in one single year, but if you get capped at that 28% itemized deduction amount, you may want to shift to where your charitable giving is a multi-year campaign instead of a single gift. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I see that can really damage the charities. They depend on these gifts. So there's gonna be a shift in how fundraising has to be done at the charitable level as well. That's something that will, that will come along with this. Now, it also means that in this tax year, if you're looking for a huge deduction for charity, this tax year is still old rules. So it might be something where you do a heaping of your charitable contributions this year, rather than wait until next year, where or whenever these new tax changes go into effect, waiting on that and having to do a multi-year strategy, you might wanna bring it into this year. So more to come on that later in the year if these things start coming into fruition. There's all kinds of different ways you can give to charities, all kinds of different ways you can actually set up things where you can actually get the deduction this year, but farm the money out to charities later too. So there's multiple strategies for charitable giving, and if this law changes, we have to look at how that impacts you and how it impacts the charities you love to figure out what's your next best strategy. All right, if you have high incomes, and the capital gains tax law changes, you may wanna think about harvesting gains instead of harvesting losses. So what I mean by that is this, at the end of the year for larger portfolios, good tax strategy includes harvesting your losses, meaning taking the losses on anything that you can get a tax loss in to wash out or potentially wash out some of the gains that have been created by other things, okay? complexity in how you do that, but tax loss harvesting is frequently something that's done at the end of the year in larger non-qualified portfolios. If the tax law changes, we may have to look at what gains do we wanna harvest to take advantage of the current lower taxable rates for capital gains, get them out of the taxation situation in a year where they're lower, so that you don't sell them in a year where the taxes are higher and get hit with a much higher tax. So gain harvesting versus loss harvesting is possibly something that we'll wanna be talking about when we know more about what the tax changes could be. 
Now, if you are someone that has a larger estate, whether it's land, whether it's built off of any other type of wealth or asset, if you have a larger estate, then you might want to start having conversations about how you can remove some assets from your taxable estate. So there could be gifts, there could be trusts that are set up that are going to help with that. There could be all kinds of different things that you can do from an estate document and estate planning perspective to reduce your estate. However, we also want to be paying attention to that whole step up and basis thing of how, what do you want to do now versus later if we lose the step up and basis and what kind of funds do you need to put into place so that people don't get forced to sell something they don't want to sell. Let me give you an example of that. Let's say that the, there is a $3 million farm that is inherited that has a tax basis of 300000 that's $2.7 million of taxable gain. And so now if these changes went into effect, now capital gains over a million dollars are going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. Now you're talking about a 35, 37 potentially percent tax bill on the gain in the farm. Where is your family going to come up with the cash to pay those taxes? Most families, or I should say many families, may have to sell the land just to cover the taxes. And that's what we want to avoid. So this estate tax piece, this step up in basis piece, this extra or increased tax on capital gains, they all start to compound on each other when you have big events like that. So the planning is going to be really necessary to get into effect to say, how do we create cash liquidity to cover taxes? in the event that we have these tax changes. So those are some things that you're going to be able to do about it once we know more. Just wanted to put that out there in people's heads so they were aware of what's on the table to keep your eyes open and your ears open in the news for what does start to pass and make absolutely sure that when you start to hear these things happen, or if we start to hear these things happen, that you reach out and talk to your advisor. You will want to get additional strategic planning done to react to the tax changes and however they impact you personally. So I hope that's been valuable information to make you aware of what's out there that could be coming down the pipe. And I hope that you've had a great time listening to this episode of Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049. 
and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.